You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning again. I welcome all of you who are listening by podcast this morning. I want to encourage you all, if you would, to take out your uh, notes that you'll find in your bulletins. If you want a Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you need a Bible, there should be some in the rows below the chairs there in the racks if you'd like to grab one of those. I always encourage you to go into the Riverside app and follow along in the digital live event notes there. You can also see all of the events that are coming up, all the stuff about uh, the holidays, all of our services there, the uh, Christmas Eve services and the December 27th service, all of those things are in there as well. We'll be telling you more about those, but if you'd like to see all those things ahead of time, you can always go into the Riverside app there and today especially follow along with that live event tab. So if you are visiting with us this morning or you're newer to the church, maybe you weren't here the last week or two, let me catch you up to speed because you're coming in at part three of a four-week series that we've entitled Field of Vision. And each week in these messages, we've been trying to challenge ourselves from the Holy Spirit to fix our eyes on Jesus and in so doing expand our field of vision that we might see differently. In the first week, we challenged you to see the potential and we talked about what Jesus said when he told his disciples and his first followers to look out into the fields this harvest season that we find ourselves in and how they are ripe. And uh, Jesus was saying, there are people all around you that are hurting and in need and are exploring and investigating faith. And you are to look and see around you the potential. And then he said, I want you to pray about people that might go out into that world and help. And then I want you to pray about you going. And then he said, go. And he sent them out and he challenged them to live a life of significant influence. And in week two, we challenged you to see the responsibility. We talked last week about the fact that we are salt and that we are light, and that we are to be significant influencers in this world. And so we talked about the idea of salt being our nature. Salt is our influence. We are to be a preserving influence in this world. And uh, just our very presence can make a difference in our workplaces, in our homes, in our family gatherings and relationships, on the streets, uh, in the marketplace, wherever we might find ourselves, our very presence as Jesus followers can have a significant influence. But we also said last week that we also have a direct responsibility and a direct influence, and Jesus also called us light. He said, you are not only salt, that's your nature, but you are also light, and that is your purpose or your function. And our responsibility as light in this world is to acknowledge that there is darkness, and we have an explanation for that darkness in this world. And so our responsibility, wherever we find ourselves, is to proclaim the hope that we have in Christ. And so we challenged you to see the potential and to see the responsibility this morning I want to challenge you to see the cost because being salt and being light, there is a cost to that. You're going to have to take some risks. And so if you're exploring faith in Jesus or someone invited you and you're investigating what it means to be a Christian, we're so honored that you are here today because we're talking about trying to be good examples for you. We're talking about exploring how we should be as Jesus followers. So again, if you're uh, newer to this whole thing called Christianity or you're asking questions, I want to encourage you to continue to come back each week. Come back and and wrestle with your faith. Wrestle and ask questions 
That's all we're doing here today as well. We're just going to continue to do that as we challenge ourselves to see the cost and ask ourselves ultimately, as we see the cost, are we willing to pay the price? And so that's where we're going to be headed this morning. To do that, we're going to continue where we left off in the first message We're picking up in Luke chapter 10, which is in your New Testament. It's one of the four stories of the life of Christ. And in this story, Jesus has a conversation with one of the religious leaders of his day, a a, a teacher of the law, a Levite, somebody who should have known God's word, did, did know God's word, but had not yet fully been impacted by this word that he spent so much time. And so he asked Jesus some questions. In these questions, Jesus tells a very familiar story. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand with me, and we're going to read this. You're going to stand in just honor of God's Word, and I've asked Trisha Ritchie to come and to read this story for us, and then we're going to jump right in. You can just follow along. We'll put it up on the screen. She'll read through these verses, and we do this every so often just to remind us of how special God's Word is and how unique it is and the offering that it has to all of us today to bring transformation to our hearts. So Trish, would you read Luke chapter 10 for us there? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Thank you, Trish. The rest of you may have a seat there if you would. So in this text, the expert in the law asks Jesus two questions. And in doing so, he completely misses the point of the law. He says to Jesus, first of all, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was basically asking the question, what's it going to cost me to get to heaven? And Jesus, in typical fashion, answers a question with a question. And he says to this man, he says, well, how do you read it? And so uh, the, the man replies, and he says, you know what? Love God and love others. And Jesus said, bingo, you get that right, and all is going to be well. Well, This wasn't good enough for this man because they had a lot of layers of this going on and he wanted to clarify, okay, well, who exactly do I have to love? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus, in his answer, 
to that second question turns everything upside down. Now, you've heard this story many times if you've been in churches over the years. I'm sure, they, I'm sure of that. So I want to encourage you to look at it with a fresh set of lenses because Jesus describes in these verses exactly who a neighbor is. And the context of this was there's, two, uh, there's three men in the story in addition to the one that was beat up, one a priest, one of a Levite, and then this Samaritan. And in doing this story the way that Jesus did, it is sheer brilliance. He basically says, I'm going to abolish this whole conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans, which was hundreds of years old, this conflict and this problem. The Jews had been taken out of captivity, or they'd been taken to captivity uh, by many nations, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and other nations. And when they came back, there were people groups that were now living in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And Jews that intermarried with them and Jews that got connected to them embraced their religion, embraced their places of worship. They were half-breeds, so to speak, in the Jewish eyes, and they became the hated Samaritans. You had Jerusalem in the south, you had uh, Galilee in the north, and you had Samaria in between. And all of the conflicts that you read in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that happened between the Samaritans and between the Jews and extra-biblical sources describe just how much hatred there was. And so as we think out of the get-go today um, about our expanding our field of vision and seeing the cost, I want you to understand that really at the core of this story is that Jesus is asking us, who do you despise? Who do you hate? And who are you willing to step across racial lines, ethnic lines, other barriers, other ways of thinking, other political views, other regions that we might come in contact with, are we willing to step across those lines and love people the way that Jesus depicts that this man, who should have not had any connection, actually stepped across those lines? And Jesus um, tells this story in such a beautiful fashion that it leaves the crowd with their jaws on the ground. And so as we walk through this, I want you to take a look at what Jesus says at the very end. He says, go and do likewise. Literally, it's go and keep doing likewise. And so as Jesus describes this, I want you to think about what is the DNA of a Jesus follower who is all in, who is not only uh, all in just with word, but actually with deed. What is the DNA of somebody who sees the responsibility and the potential that's all around them, who decides, yes, I'm going to be salt and I'm going to be light, and I'm going to make an in, a positive, significant influence in this world. And someone who has a, a field of vision that says, I'm only, not only going to see the cost, I am going to be willing to pay the price. Now, how do you know when you're willing to pay the price? How do you know when you have seen the cost, when that cost is something that you are ready to pay? Jesus describes that here as he describes this good Samaritan. And I want you to see three things. We put them in your notes, and we have some opportunities here for you to respond on the back side there. The first thing is, is that you and I, we're willing to pay the, co- the cost and the price when we see clearly. So all three of these guys walked by this man. They all saw this guy down on the ground, beaten, left for dead. And in doing so, two of them passed by. They crossed by on the other side. They saw it, but they were not willing to see clearly. All they saw was a man who would cost them time, energy, resources, 
an influence. Because see, this priest and this Levite, they're headed to probably, most likely, go do their job. And if they touched this man laying on the side of the road, he would have made them impure, he would have made them unclean, and they would no longer have been able to do their religious duties. They had a man-made religion that said that what they were about to go do was more important than what was right there in front of them. Someone hurting, someone in need, someone who was desperate for assistance. And all around you, There are people that you come in contact with at work, on your campus, in your classrooms, people that you're driving next to, people that you're walking in the stores next to, people that are in your neighborhood, people that you see on a screen here that we were talking about for next weekend with One Day to Feed the World. There are people all over the place that are in need. The challenge for us is is that we have our blinders on far too often. We're too fast-paced. We have too much going on. So in your notes, I want you to think about it. And I can't answer this for you, but I want you to be thinking about it. What are your blind spots to seeing clearly? Maybe you're going to put in there, you know what? I'm just too busy. I'm running at a pace. I'm going at a pace where I don't have margin or room in my life to be able to help those who are in need. People who are beaten down, they're stripped of their self-confidence and their self-worth. They have no more hope or faith or purpose or meaning. They're beaten down by competition, by the working environment or by failure, the pressure to perform. Maybe for you it's nearsightedness. You just, you know, you're, you're just consumed with your own world to the point where you're missing out on the opportunities all around you to help those who are on the side of the road, who are hurting, and they're in need. He goes on and he says, we're willing, Jesus says, we're willing to pay the price when we feel compassionately. So two guys, again, they walk by, they all saw the same thing. But it's interesting to note that Jesus says that the Samaritan took pity on him. If you notice that in the text, it says that he took pity on him. And you and I, we're willing to pay the price when we not only feel for someone, we actually feel with them. Sympathy is when we feel for someone. We're tugged emotionally. We say, oh man, I feel bad for them. You've said it. You've thought it. You say, you know, I, I, that's just awful. I wish somebody would do something. Somebody should do something about that. Well, the Holy Spirit might be saying to you today, it's time for you not just to feel for people, but to actually feel with them. That is the difference between sympathy, feeling for somebody, and empathy, feeling with someone. So that person that you know that's hurting and the need that you have an opportunity that you come in contact with during the week, you have an opportunity to not just feel for them, but to feel with them. Now, we all have some obstacles to that. We have some things that go on inside of us that keep us from feeling truly with people. Enemies of feeling compassionate toward others, I put in there. What would you put down? For some of you, you'd put down your personality. You know what? I just didn't get the mercy, compassion gift when I was born. I just don't have that. So I'm going to let those mercy, compassion people handle that. And to be honest with you, I'm thrilled for all of you who serve in our mercy and compassion ministries. Those of you who serve as Stephen ministers, those of you who are on our visitation teams and our meals teams, you guys do a fantastic job. And I'm so appreciative for the behind the scenes work that you do when Riverside family members are hurting and in need. That's amazing. That's uh, incredible. And I respect that so much. It's not just people with mercy and compassion gifts, though, that Jesus is challenging to feel compassionately. Your personality might be one that you don't have those deep emotional feelings, but Jesus has still called you to care about people. 
And so you, you can use that to, as an excuse, but that doesn't work very long because Jesus ultimately wants us to have a heart that reaches out toward others. Others of you, you've been burned. You reached out. You helped someone. You saw somebody on the side of the road. You saw somebody in need or hurting in your neighborhood, and you reached out, and they burned you. Or maybe they took advantage of you. You saw a need, and you went to help, and they just latched on, and they just kept sucking you and sucking you and sucking you dry to the point where you said, man, I don't want to have anything to do with that whole compassion stuff. Somebody else can do that. The Holy Spirit wants, to hear, wants you to hear this morning, get reengaged again. Don't let those experiences keep you from feeling compassionately and being able to move forward to be able to help others. Sometimes we feel better than others. And I hate to say that. Sometimes we look at situations and we see people and we say, you know what, they're in that because of their dumb decisions and we're not willing to help. And it might be true that they they chose some things wrongly, but that does not necessarily mean that we should not engage and help people carry their burdens when they find themselves in those situations. So when you see somebody that's hurting and on the side of the road, in someone that's in trouble, if your first reaction is to point out their mistakes and what led them there, then perhaps it's time to say, Lord, what would you want to do inside of me to help me to see differently? How could I see with a fresh new set of eyes and expand my field of vision so that I not only see clearly the needs, but now I am feeling compassionately about those, and I'm actually going to, which leads us to the third thing. Jesus says that when we're ready to pay the price, We will act sacrificially. All three, again, saw, but two quickly moved to the other side of the road. Only one was moved with compassion, took pity, felt empathy, but didn't just feel it. He actually acted on it. He acted sacrificially. He took initiative. Notice what he does. He goes to the man. He takes the initiative. He takes the risk. And the implication of this story is that this was a Jewish man who had been beaten. And I don't, it doesn't say it explicitly in the text, but I'm imagining if I'm a Jewish listener in this story, I'm thinking to myself as Jesus begins the story, I'm thinking, yeah, the robbers, they're the Samaritans, and they're the ones that beat this guy up. We don't have that clearly stated. That might have been the case, but we don't know for sure. But the way that, it's, the way that Jesus teaches it, almost un- undoubtedly, this is a Jewish man laying on the side of the road. And whoever beat him up, This man, this Samaritan, went across racial lines, went across and took a risk, and he took the initiative. It cost him initiative. It also cost him his schedule, his plans. He adjusted his plans to engage this man, to help this man. I doubt seriously if when he got up that morning, that Samaritan, if he looked in his calendar and said, look for a mugging victim today to help. I doubt seriously if that was anywhere in his schedule. But he took time, and he intentionally set aside his agenda to help someone else. And quite honestly, if we are going to act sacrificially, that is going to be required of us too. It will be inconvenient at times. It will not be between the hours of 10 in the morning and 4 in the afternoon. It might come late at night. It might come in the middle of the night. It might come in the early hours when you are at your weakest and at at your most exhausted, but the Holy Spirit would put you in a situation where he's calling you to alter your plans for the sake of others. Lastly, he also sacrificed his time, his money, and his compassion. In fact, it says that he gave two silver coins, which was probably about two days' wages, to be able to do this, to help this man. 
Now, in your notes, I also put their detours to acting sacrificially. What are the things that keep you from acting sacrificially to, toward others? Think about that for just a moment. Maybe you're jotting some things down there. For some of us, we're set in our ways. We're inflexible and we will not take the time. We will not detour or veer from our plans. We're doing it our way, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, and God can't interrupt us. Others of us, we're too stubborn in our routines. We're inflexible. For some of us, there's a fear of getting involved. I mean, let's be honest today. How many Good Samaritan stories have you heard where you actually, someone goes and they helps and they end up getting sued in the process because of something that didn't go right. And you have this fear and you have this, yeah, well, if I get involved, it's going to get messy and it's going to get ugly and difficult and I might get, you know, this and that might happen. Jesus still challenges us to get engaged in that and to act sacrificially. Others of us, we're relationally lazy. We are simply too passive when it comes toward helping others. We see the need, but we're waiting to be asked. Don't wait to be asked. If you see the need, if you're aware of it, if the Holy Spirit drops it in your heart to help that neighbor, to reach across the, the office and help someone that you heard is in difficulty, that something has been thrust upon them, reach out and offer assistance and offer encouragement and help and see how you can get engaged in those things. Others of us, we have managed our resources so poorly that though we might be moved with compassion, there's no financial margin in our own world and we can't help anybody else. We're moved when we see the videos. We know that next weekend is going to be one day to feed the world, but we don't have one day's wages to give because of the way that we manage our finances. Others of us, we see the needs on the sides of the roads. We hear about the, the, the opportunities at the various missions that, we've, that we um, partner with, or we hear about kids going to Cambodia or, or our own adults going to Cambodia or different places, and we want to go, but we've managed our own resources so poorly that there's no margin, and we have this compassion, but we've not gotten, according to God's word, his priorities in line, and so we're crippled. And we're frustrated because we feel guilt because we want to be able to give. We want to be able to get engaged. We have that heart, but it's going to take a realignment of our philosophy of handling resources and the money that God has entrusted to it. My job today is simply to invite you to begin to think differently about the resources that God has given you. He has given those to you to manage for him. Not to spend all of it upon yourself. Greed is the assumption that everything that I have is for my consumption. And God says, you know what? That is not the case. I've given you this to be used for you, but I've also given you resources to be a blessing toward others so that you can be the kind of people who have an expanded field of vision. So you know that you see the cost when you see it clearly. You know you're willing to pay the price when you see that need, when you feel compassionately, and then when you act sacrificially. As we wrap this up this morning, I want you to understand something. First of all, it is always easier to look, go to the other side of the road. 100% of the time. It's always easier. But I would submit to you that the cost of going to the other side of the road is greater than the cost of caring. Because every, so every time you cross to the other side of the road, your heart gets a little bit more hard. And it gets a little bit harder to see. 
your vision gets a little cloudier, your feelings get a little less compassionate, and you're a little less willing to act sacrificially every time you cross over. What it costs that priest, what it costs that Levite, hard hearts. And my prayer for you is that you would have a heart that is tender and soft and that your field of vision would be such that you see the potential around you, that you act like salt and light, and that you will be willing to get down and get dirty with people who are desperately in need, some of whom are sitting next to you right here in this room. I want you to think also about Jesus Just try to picture the scene in heaven prior to his coming. He looks down from the balcony of heaven upon this broken, shattered mess of an earth and he sees clearly our need. Our need for redemption. Our need for rescuing. Our need to be saved. And he feels compassionately about that. And he doesn't just feel sympathy for us. Man, you know, somebody should do something about that, Father. No, he says, you know what, Father? I will go. Because I don't just feel for them, I feel with them. And I will go, and I will be born of a virgin, and I will give my life in their place. I will act sacrificially. It cost him time. It cost him all of his wealth and splendor and glory and majesty and power in heaven. And it cost him his very life. The perfect sacrifice for you and for me. And as his followers, that's what he asks of us. That's how he depicts somebody who's all in, who sees the potential, who understands and sees the responsibility, and who is willing to see the cost and pay the price. Jesus said, I will go and I will pay the price. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back and we're going to conclude with a time of prayer and worship. I want you to notice the questions that you'll find in your notes there. Simply this, do you see the cost and are you willing to pay the price? Do you know that there are some people right around you that you work with, people that you live near, people that you know of in this church that are hurting and in need and the Holy Spirit's tapping on your shoulder. He's whispering into your ear. It's your time. I'm calling you to go and to reach them. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe for you, you're the one that's on the side of the road. You're the one that's been derailed. You're the one that feels beat up, that needs help. Does anyone know that? Have you shared that with your groups? the small group that you might be in? Have you confessed that there is a hurt and there's a need? You can't expect people to just um, be able to read your mind, be able to see situations unless they have an awareness of this so that you have to be able to confess that you have to be able to say, you know what, I'm hurting and I'm in need. I need help. You need to be able to reach out and get that assistance. That's why we exist as a church. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, If you're still asking those questions, what I was talking about earlier was the fact that Jesus loved you enough. He saw clearly your need before you were even born. Before you were even born, he said, you know what? I feel compassionately toward him, toward her, toward you, and I'm gonna give my life. I'm laying it all on the line, and I'm paying the price. 
and the people that are around you that are sitting there next to you on your left and right and front and back of you, they're just people who have experienced that same story for themselves personally. And you can today as well. You can experience grace and forgiveness right there where you're at. You can call out to Jesus. We talked about this last week. You don't have to be in darkness any longer. And you can help other people just like all of us who claim Christ are to do. Your life can be so significant and you can have so much influence as you talk about, this is where I was the day that I realized that Jesus paid the price for me. On that cross, he gave his life so that I could have eternal life and so that I could live life now that really matters. So I'm gonna ask you all, if you would, just to bow your hearts and your heads with me and I'm gonna pray for you. I'm just gonna ask you boldly this morning, if you'd say, I wanna put my faith in Jesus today, would you just slip up your hand or, or look up and catch my eye? I see those hands. Anybody else? Yep, see those, see those. See that hand there. Anybody else? This is you and Jesus, just you and Jesus talking. Yep, see that hand. See that hand. For those of you who have just raised your hands and you want to say, Jesus, you, you talk to him in your own words, but you say something that comes from the bottom of your heart that says, Jesus, I want to step out of darkness into light. At this point in my life, I offer myself to you. I know I'm broken. I know I'm messed up. I ask you to forgive me and I confess my sin, my shortcomings, my failures to you. I ask you to rescue me. I ask you to save me. Give me a new heart and a fresh start. And I offer my life to you. I put my trust in what you did at the cross. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. Help me to do that. For the rest of us in this place, perhaps we have been crossing over to the other side of the road too long and today is our day to cross back over and to, uh, uh, to offer assistance, to take the initiative to help someone else who's in need, to alter our plans so that we could help someone else, to feel compassionately. Maybe our hearts have become hard to the needs around us. Maybe we have acknowledged today in our spirit that yes, we know our financial world is in such turmoil that we couldn't help others if we had the opportunity, if we were called upon. And we want to begin to change that today. We want to begin to reorder and prioritize around Jesus and his kingdom and his purposes. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. And as we ask you for help, as we ask you for a fresh way of seeing the circumstances and the people around us, Thank you, God, that you want desperately to use us. Expand our field of vision to see those who are hurting in need. Help us not to be so busy, not to be so inflexible that we would miss those opportunities. God, I pray that for me. Start with me, Jesus. Lord, as we respond in song, we respond in prayer. God, we pray that you pour your spirit out and give us a fresh anointing that we would help the people, Jesus, that you want us to help. It's in your name that we pray.
Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing, and I'm going to ask you if you want to come and find a place to pray that you could do that all over this place. We'll have people out on either side of the stage that are here today to pray with you, to pray for you. They came specifically to ask Jesus to help you, whatever it is that you might need help with. For others of you, you need to come, and you need to begin to talk to Jesus about the hard people the detested people, the people that if you're honest, you hate, and it's difficult for you to love, or you need with fresh eyes to feel compassionately, you need to act sacrificially, you need to make some commitments and decisions to Jesus on what you've heard this morning. Don't assume that God just knows your mind and your heart. He does, but he wants to see action, and today can be your day to begin by stepping out, coming to find a place to pray. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.